welcome to season four, episode six of the Nordic Art Agency podcast, a podcast connecting emerging and established international artists and art influencers from around the globe. I'm your host, Juliet, a British expat, art historian and gallerist based in Sweden. I created this podcast to share conversations with artists or art influencers whose artwork or insight inspires me personally. London's first digital immersive art experience, Frameless, opened last September in the heart of London's West End Cultural District, bringing art to life like never before. As the biggest digital immersive art experience of its kind in the UK, Frameless is set to become a new art landmark destination. Frameless promises to offer visitors a culturally rich, immersive, multidimensional entertain experience within its London venue, which covers 30,000 square feet. The new attraction is a multi-genre and multi-artist experience, featuring iconic masterpieces from the likes of Cezanne, Kandinsky, Monet, Canaletto, Rembrandt and Klimt, just to name a few. Laid out across four different themed galleries within the experience, Content is multi-sensory and highly Instagrammable and presented using 4K projector technology, delivering spectacular high-definition images to excite and inspire visitors. My guest on the podcast today is Rosie O'Connor, and she is the co-curator at Frameless. Rosie studied art history and visual culture at the University of Exeter and has a special interest in British modernism, museumology and accessibility in the arts. After leaving university, Rosie managed a commercial gallery in the bustling Mayfair, specialising in late 19th century and 20th century British and French painting and sculpture. She then went on to the Open Sense Festival, the first multi-sensory art festival, which honed her passion for programme curation and immersive art experiences. This is an entirely new concept of consuming art for me. So I'm delighted to welcome Rosie O'Connor to the Nordic Art Agency podcast to give me her insight. Welcome, Rosie. Hello, Juliet. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be talking all things immersive art with you. Well, thank you for joining me, Rosie. And I'm actually recording this from Berlin. And when I've been visiting the art districts this week, I've seen there's actually two kind of similar ideas of combining art with immersive interactive spaces. So I'm really very intrigued by what Frameless is doing. We have a similar background as art historians, and then we also both worked in quite traditional gallery spaces in London. So what is immersive art and why has it caught your imagination and the public's imagination? So the the clue is in the name. Um, The viewer is quite literally immersed in the artwork, and it's much more about the experience than just looking. So with traditional art forms such as paintings or sculptures, the viewer generally observes the work from a distance, but with immersive art, the viewer is typically placed in the centre of the experience and can interact with various elements of the installation. And in the case of Framus, in some of the galleries, you're quite literally within the paintings or even manipulating the brushstrokes with your body. And I think it's caught the public's imagination because immersive art is a way for people to experience art beyond simply looking. It's an experience that is interactive, and can bring a whole new dimension to the way a painting is appreciated. And also because of all the incredible possibilities that new technologies allow, people can see and experience masterpieces in a completely new way. So the value of the immersive experience compared to a formal gallery setting or perhaps seeing a masterpiece 
where you're perhaps crowding around with lots of different people. Is, is that the value for you where you get to experience it far more close up? And as you say, you could possibly even interact within it. Yes, the value of immersive art. This is a question I get asked all the time. And the main thing I would say is accessibility. And accessibility covers a few different things. So firstly, accessibility for those who didn't grow up going to museums or have access to art history during their education. I mean, I've been lucky enough that my mum is an art teacher and an art history teacher. So I grew up being dragged around museums, just waiting for my mum as she was sketching and looking and you know, endlessly explaining paintings to me. But if you didn't grow up going to museums or galleries or had any kind of art education at school, this is a really accessible way to start that journey. I mean, I did art at school, but I didn't do any art history and I had to go to university to do that. And that was something that was sort of, you know, within my home life that I had a passion for. But this, this kind of art, immersive art, it offers an accessible way for people to start their journey into the world of art. It's not sort of an academic or stuffy environment. It's not stark whitewashed walls in an echoey gallery with everyone being very quiet and reading the labels. It's music and colour and fun and movement. People can dance, kids, kids run around, or you can simply just sit and lie down to take, take in the art. And I think that is what a traditional gallery doesn't quite offer yet, has incredible value in its own right. But I think for those who are just experiencing or, or starting their journey into art history, this, this is a way to get them excited, to inspire them to go into those galleries and see more. And uh, accessibility in a sort of second way is for those with sensory impairments. Um, and immersive art is brilliant for people with sensory impairments. And actually at Frameless, uh, they run something called chilled experiences. And those are for children who have um, special needs. Um, they turn down the brightness of the image and the sound and introduce toys, and they can just chill out and absorb the art around them. Thirdly, accessibility in terms of access to the artworks. So at Frameless, we have brought paintings together that in real life, the canvases probably will never sit side by side. We have incredible collections here in London and some paintings from London are included in Frameless so that people who visit can go and see the real thing. Mm. But lots of masterpieces that are scattered all, all over the world. And obviously it's best to see them in real, in real life, but for many people they don't have the ability to travel you know, over to New York to see the real thing. But we can give them the essence of that painting. We can bring out the incredible details and technique of that painting for them to experience in a brand new way. Mm, I can imagine that that accessibility factor is, is tremendously powerful. And as you say, it's very difficult to ship or get collections of artwork from all over the world for one exhibition and enable people to be able to all see it and value it and view it. Amongst the, the digital kind of immersive aspect, do you have other written texts? Are there more, more historical elements within the exhibition like you would find in a, in a typical exhibition or a gallery? Or is it purely digital and purely immersive? So we do have some sort of academic writing to give context to what they're seeing, but we didn't want to overload them with lots of art speak. The whole point of Frameless is that anyone can go and learn something they can be inspired, they can hopefully feel something 
come out mm. and have sort of an emotional response. So there certainly is information to sort of enhance what they're, they're feeling and they're seeing so they, they are inspired to go and learn more. But we haven't sort of overloaded um, people with that. So we do have, you know, information boards, etc. But we, I actually encourage people to go in to the galleries first, see what they connect to, see what they feel something, you know, find a painting that really speaks to them and then go away, you know, read the extra information, go and find out more on the Frameless website, then go and explore these artists, you know, in real life, in, in traditional gallery spaces, go and, mm. go and read more. Go. So you're kind of reversing almost the, the concept of, you know, typically when you arrive in a gallery or an exhibition, you're faced with lots, a wall of information to read, and then you can see in the art when you're saying immerse yourself, have a feeling, have a response to the artwork. And then if you're interested and intrigued and curious, you can then follow up yes I think so I mean actually I was always encouraged um by by my parents when I went to sort of traditional exhibitions in the traditional gallery space to to look before I read because it was more about what what is what are you drawn to and why and like you know try and find out what inspires you and and then go and read more um I think you can get a lot from just looking first and then go and see the context and see how that changes your opinion or if that you know sort of certifies that what you felt was what the artist wanted to get across and you've had experience of other immersive art installations through your work with artscapes so what would you say makes a good immersive experience well I keep on sort of banging on about feeling something but um, I do think it needs to make you feel something it's about creating a sort of journey, an emotional journey through storytelling. So it's combining the art, the music, the beautiful animated compositions that surround you to hopefully create an emotional response. And that's what we try to do. It's it's all about making them feel something when they're when they're looking at the art. It's also got to be appealing for all generations. I think you know one one of the hardest tasks that we had is that our, our demographic for for frameless was everyone we wanted it to for anyone to walk in and to be able to to experience you know the same thing um so it's it's got to appeal to granny and also grandchildren um and also the, the music the music is so key to the emotional aspects I mean, that, that is something that you don't often get in a traditional gallery space. It's, it's very quiet. People are sort of taking, taking things in, um, which in its own way has incredible value. You know, it's very sort of um, mindful and you can, you can spend some quiet just simply looking and taking things in. But the sort of appeal of immersive art, I think, is you get this multi-sensory sort of dynamic where you, you're not only seeing and having movement and sort of feeling it with your whole body in some instances by literally being interactive with the artwork but mm. the music that really sort of um com- compels you in a way it that is what can strike you know emotion uh in your soul in the response to your work and so we actually worked with with two composers uh for the four galleries and we really tried to to marry the art history with the music so that they'll be 
inexplicably intertwined. So particularly with uh, one of the galleries that looks at the beginning of abstraction, so many of the artists were their their artworks were literally inspired by music. So mm-hmm. immersive art allows you to bring that element back into it, so you can see the connection. So you're relating the music directly to what possibly the artist was using as an inspirational movement of music as as they interpreted it through their artwork. You are then reinterpreting it through your soundtrack that you're giving the immersive art experience. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we find that that the music is is often what audiences speak about a lot, is that they they so enjoyed that aspect because it's something you don't normally get in an exhibition. And mm. it added so much, you know, to, to the movement, to to everything they were they were experiencing. Finally, uh, you know, the the technology um, is incredibly important to an immersive art experience. You know, we've got incredible technology. It has to be sort of top-notch to grab people's attention. And what you can do with technology to enhance a painting and to bring out elements that you, perhaps you wouldn't see with naked eye, to kind of emphasise gestures or brushstrokes is, is wonderful. And I think that that's really what captures people's imaginations is, is uh, using this technology to really enhance the the painting itself so is it almost that the technology's sort of caught up with people's imaginations or expectations it is it's, to me it feels as though we are more and more used to consuming popular culture and content in a, in a much more heightened way so is it as though nfts and the digitalization of artwork has sort of set this new level of experience and the immersive art experience that frameless is offering is sort of an answer to that question that's that we all we all have expectations of, or do you see it as something which just sort of, they both feed off each other? I think they do feed off each other. I mean, I can't speak for everyone that you know technology has caught up with their imaginations because some people already look at a piece of art and are already transported with their imagination, like hear music, afford a memory, a smell. Uh, but I think the multi-sensory nature of the experience stimulates our imagination in maybe a greater way than traditional experience, gallery experience, you know, ever could. Yeah, and I suppose, as you said at the beginning of the conversation, you can have both. It's not as though one is replacing the other. You can have an immersive experience and then fall in love with a particular artist or particular artwork, and that will then fuel a new interest in art history or just going to galleries in general. Or it could work the other way around, that you've experienced the painting once and then you have the, the alternative experience with frameless and the, the whole immersive experience. And that, I suppose, they can work together. Yes, it's, it's also something I get asked a lot, um, you know, is this kind of replacing traditional galleries? And my answer is always no, not, not at all. That those, you know, galleries and incredible museums that we've got all around the world are incredibly important you know people must go and see these things in real life you know mm. they need to see what how how the artists you know brought it together they need a sense of scale and all the rest of it but i think what this you know that what i say is that they're not competing they are sort of complementary to each other as you you sort of said that for someone who going to a gallery is not something they would ever do or have ever done um this can be a gateway into getting them into those galleries 
or you know even for my friends who are art historians who often find themselves in you know exhibitions and traditional gallery spaces they come to frameless and see these artworks in a completely new way and actually you know a lot of the details that we're able to bring out using technology aren't necessarily visible to the naked eye and actually even during you know the process of working with the animators we would do you know they would bring me their work and I'd say come on now you, you can't just you know put something in a painting that wasn't there before and they would say Rosie that that, that is there <laughs> and even I hadn't seen it before um, so that was really wonderful for me because it's like oh it's in there the whole time and I didn't even see it and now I can appreciate you know what the artist is doing and, and see that detail and really celebrate it so I think it works for people who have no knowledge of art and even for those who have an incredible knowledge of art because they really get different perspective and a different experience mm, that's really interesting and I think that process that's revealed as you were saying that you know possibly you can see beyond the, what the naked eye could see and that entire artist process behind the artwork. I mean, I, I've always been fascinated by that as an art historian, but then to be able to introduce that in a visual way, that's really interesting. I, I also think you, you're right in that the traditional gallery experience has changed anyway. I, I know having run the Nordic Arts Agency since 2010, I've changed and modified the way in which I want people to feel when they walk into my gallery. I, I really want it to be much more welcoming. You know, we've got We've got many more seating areas. We've got sofas. We've we've places where people can relax and take their time. It's not this cold white cube gallery space message anymore. That doesn't seem to impact people um, as it used to in a more traditional sense. And also, obviously, the podcasts and I create um, videos from the artist studio so you can actually see them at work and their process. People are really switched on to absorbing content like that because that's that you know gives them a greater understanding of the artists and their practice so I think even if frameless is is the next level I think even the traditional gallery model since you and I possibly works in London and Mayfair and those gallery spaces it's evolved I mean do you feel that when you walk into galleries traditional galleries as well Rosie that there isn't there's a change people want a different experience I've definitely definitely seen a shift I think you know Part of it is probably to appeal to a younger audience, so they, they know that they need to bring maybe some more digital elements into it, some more you know content rather than just have you know as you say the sort of white cube experience because that can be quite sort of daunting to to some people. Um, but also, yeah, the sort of access to to the artists is is really important, especially for obviously contemporary artists. So I, I think I have seen a massive change in how people even approach curation um, to, mm. to how it used to be there's much more thought about you know just the kind of audience experience of being within that space let alone how they connect to artworks so both those you know things are working together and it I, I do think it it sort of works for a better all-round experience for the viewer mm. and you've touched on on your experiences over the last year within Frameless and and but and the demographic, how, how do you think it's been received, and how do you feel um, moving forward? Frameless will take its place and its role in the future as a as a kind of physical 
space where you can visit and revisit. And I imagine you're going to be continuously upgrading the technology, but also the curation and introducing different masterworks and, and different kinds of interactivity. How do you feel that, that the demographic has has perhaps possibly you've observed who's who's coming, who's returning and what the future will be? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I mean, you know, when you're working on projects like this, you, you're obviously working incredibly hard to make it the best that you think it could possibly be. But, you know, you just don't know what people are going to think until it opens. So you, you think you've got this amazing experience, but until people, you know, actually visit and give you, you know, their feedback and, and what they liked and didn't like, you, you, you just don't know. And, and thankfully, you know, the response has been incredible, which is everything, you know, that we wanted. And, What's been really, really lovely to see is that, you know, our, our demographic, as I said before, which is quite a tough ask, is everyone, um, you know, from children up to, you know, people who, who are more elderly. And we've seen, you know, grannies come with their toddler grandchildren and then both they both get something out of the experience and enjoy it so much together. And that's been absolutely wonderful to see, especially the amount of children that are you know just loving art and engaging with it and running around and dancing and having so much fun I think is such a good foundation for when they grow older and can maybe look into the the artist a bit more having that positive and fun experience you know is is fantastic and how frequently do you reconfigure the curation or do you do you do specific shows on specific artists or is it how, how is that structured? So we started with with these four themes. Um, so we've got Beyond Reality, which sort of looks at surrealism and artists that have explored other worlds and fantastical worlds. Then we've got Colour in Motion, which explores the Impressionists, Neo-Impressionists and Post-Impressionists. The Art of Abstraction, which celebrates the pioneers of abstract art. And then the world around us, which looks at artists who have captured the beauty of our world through paint. So those four themes were chosen you know, very specifically to be accessible and to bring artists together that, that wouldn't exist side by side in a traditional exhibition. But we certainly you know, will be changing the themes and exploring you know, brand new themes that will be super exciting. And, you know, I hope also down the line, you know, we can also explore working with contemporary artists who are actually creating art for these immersive experiences. You know, this digital art, which is made for spaces like Frameless. That's, that's what's uh, really exciting. The possibilities are kind of endless. And currently it's two-dimensional paintings mainly, but will you ever think about introducing three-dimensional sculpture or physical forms, which people can interact within within the experience yeah it's something that we've discussed I think it, it it needs to be thought through and and really considered to make sure that it's it's impactful um, it's a little bit harder to work with three-dimensional objects in terms of an immersive experience but it's definitely something that we you know we want to take on the challenge hmm. well, it's very exciting Rosie I've never been to frameless um, but I definitely think I have a 12 year old daughter who's very creative but does does find uh the museums and galleries that, I, that surround us in malmo and copenhagen and stockholm slightly dull at times so i think she definitely would approve of 
of uh, the idea of involving music and I think there's also the idea of being able to actually physically be involved within the artwork. That sounds very cool and something that I think, as you say, would engage a lot of young minds as their first introduction to to really appreciating art. So I'm going to bring her for sure. Well, let me know when you come and I, I will meet you there. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Rosie, for joining me on the podcast and best of luck with future curations and Frameless. So just let everybody know where exactly can you be found? Yeah, when would you suggest it would be a good time to visit? Are weekends good or is it is it always is it always possible to to gain access easily? Yes, always possible to gain access. So open seven days a week and you can find us in London just at the end of Oxford Street by Marble Arch. And all information and tickets are available on their website, which is frameless.com. Thank you, Rosie. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, lovely to speak to you too. I shall be including links to all the frameless information in the show notes. And next time on the podcast, I shall be in conversation with Belgian ceramics artist Daisy Bowman. So until then, goodbye. Thank you.